Okay, please turn with me to the book of Daniel, chapter 2. And we continue in Daniel, chapter 2. And I'm going to be reading from verse 1 to verse 23. And then, Lord willing, next week we get into verses 24 to the end of Daniel, chapter 2. And let's hope that Daniel can encourage us to trust God as we live in these uncertain times. Well, Daniel chapter 2, starting at verse 1. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldean said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream. And we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning the mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. 
to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this lovely passage of scripture. Thank you again. We see our God who is sovereign over this world. And we thank you for our sovereign God. We thank you for your sovereignty. Thank you, Father. Thank you again for Jesus in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. Thank you. In Jesus, we receive wisdom and knowledge and understanding. But help us, Father, to, to go to the Scriptures, to seek the wisdom and knowledge and understanding. May we not think it's just going to come from nowhere, but it comes from the Scriptures. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who illuminates the Scriptures and teaches us your truth. So we too can use your wisdom and your power to endure our walk here in this world. So Father, help me now to be clear and understood. Help me to preach in a way that brings you glory and honour and builds up the saints to be strong and courageous in this fallen world. Father, have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon us all. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. The beautiful thing about the book of Daniel, like someone said, governments are in God's hands. No matter how uncertain things seem, they are certain in God's unfailing purpose. And this is the beautiful thing about the book of Daniel. We're going to see God who rules. But this morning we want to continue to look at, at, at God who rules the impossible. You, you might be going through some difficult times in your life. Impossible times. Maybe in your parenting, in your marriage, or in the workplace, or just living here in Robertson. There might be some impossible times that you're in. But do we believe that our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our Heavenly Father, rules the impossible? We should believe that. We should believe that our God rules the impossible. Especially if we are reading the Scriptures. If you're reading the Scriptures, and you're reading the Bible through a yearly reading, then you would have come across in Luke chapter 1, verses 34 to 38, when an angel appears to Mary and says, And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. That's the scriptures there to not try and work God out. It's there just to encourage us that nothing is impossible with God. And then if you're in the Old Testament and you've read in Genesis chapter 18 verses, verse 9 to 14 in there, it also says, Abraham, is anything too hard for the Lord? If we had to ask ourselves that question, is anything too hard for the Lord? We all should say, no, all things are possible with our Lord and then we have scriptures to hang on. We can go to, to Genesis or to Exodus chapter 3 verse 14. 
And we can, we can dwell on what, what God said to Moses. I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Not God with his long shopping list. I am. Yahweh has sent you. That's all you need to know about me is I am who I am. Which someone said, God is absolute being, absolute reality. Nothing existed before him. He had no beginning. He is not becoming. He simply is and always has been. Before he created other reality, he was all there was eternally. God is who he is. He wills what he wills. He does what he does. God rules the impossible. That should encourage us. That should, should, should help us to, to go to God in prayer and, and get to know God, just not to get to know about Him. If I look at, at, at now I'm going to just mention something about David. David who trusted God with the impossible. David didn't have Scripture. But what David had is he had a relationship with God. A strong relationship with his God. I think today, and I was listening to what Willem was saying about the Bible and, and they didn't have God's Word. I think today we have the Bible, and, and I myself must be aware of this, is we might have a relationship with our Bible. But do we have a relationship with the God of the Bible? Because we talk to each other in prayer meetings, in Bible studies about this great God. But as soon as a crisis comes our way, as soon as there's an impossible thing, we turn our back on God. We don't go to him in prayer, but we can tell, tell people so much about this great God, but we don't trust him when it comes to him who rules the impossible. But David did. I mean, yeah, we have a young boy. He's also a, a teenager, maybe even maybe 14, 15 years old. And he goes to King Saul and he says to King Saul, Ah, we'll take on Goliath. Ah, we'll fight Goliath. And it's like, it's like, you know, when Timmy was 13, not now when he's 17, but when he was 13, it's like Timmy coming at that age. Goliath's up here somewhere. What made David do that? Well, he knew he's God. He, he knows that he's God rules the impossible. God equipped him. God prepared him. Because there was a time when the Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. And this same God that did that for me in the wilderness when I was taking care of, of the sheep will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Will. He's putting all his faith and trust in God. Will. That is a promise. He will deliver me. And then he stands before Goliath. And he glorifies and he exalts and he lifts his God on high. And he, and he says to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, Yahweh. That's all I have is my God. Not any weapon, not anything else. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. I come in the name of this God, the name of the Lord of hosts. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. What gave that young boy the strength and the courage to say those things? 
Where are the 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 year olds today that are standing up for the truth, confronting people in love? We don't see that. And here we have David confronting Goliath. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword or with spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hand. The rest is His story. You know what happens. The book of, or in 1 Kings, to, the, to, the, to, to um, David and Goliath, you know the story. But we turn it into a story, but we don't realize that God is showing who He is. That He's sovereign, He's the Almighty God. And if, if He's for us, who can be against us? God rules the impossible. David put his faith and trust in God. And God dealt with Goliath. Psalm 22.4 says, In you, God, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. And if we are reading... And we've been through 1 John. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who's our faith in? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. We are victorious in Him. The God who rules the impossible. So before we move on to our second thing that I'm going to look at this morning, I just want to remind us of the first thing that we looked at to believe that God rules the impossible. For us to trust in God who rules the impossible. Let's just look at our first thing very briefly. The first thing to believe that God rules the impossible is the impossible demand that comes. There has to be an impossible demand. And when there is an impossible demand in your life, God wants to show you His greatness, His compassion, His love. But He wants you to reflect that to the world. The world's watching us. The world is always watching us to see are we any different to them how we handle trials, suffering, difficult times and God is here going to reveal himself to King Nebuchadnezzar and, and Daniel 2 opened with King Nebuchadnezzar having dreams which troubles his spirit and causes sleepless nights God allows the impossible to happen in our lives to test our faith and here he's, he's going to test Daniel and the other men these Israelites that have been taken into captivity into Babylon to see how genuine they are in, in, in talking about Him and knowing Him. Because it's not always saying how much we know God and love God, but we've got to put that into practice. We've got to, we've got to show the world how much we love God when it comes to our, um, our difficulties. And God gave Nebuchadnezzar the dream. That he couldn't understand, which caused him distress. And all what God wants to do through this dream is encourage his own people, the Israelites. He wants, he wants to show them his grace and mercy that he's still with them in Babylon. 
God gave two dreams to Pharaoh. We know that. Also a Gentile ruler. And Joseph, a Jewish man, an Israelite, interpreted them for the good of God's people. We know the outcome of the interpretation when, when, when Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. And yeah, we see God is calling his own, King Nebuchadnezzar is calling his own people, the Chaldeans, the sorcerers, the enchanters, the magicians, to step forward, to come and not just tell them the interpretation of the dream, but also the dream. Tell me the dream I had and its interpretation. And they, 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 see, they, are, they are hopeless. There's no ways. They cannot tell him the dream. They maybe can interpret the dream. And I wonder how often they lied about the interpretation because they know if they say anything negative to the king, that's it. They lose their head. Their limbs are torn apart. And yeah, the king threatens them. If you don't show me this dream and, and, and tell me this dream I had and interpret it, then I'm going to tear limb from limb and I'm going to come and destroy your homes and put them in ruin. He's serious. But they tell him, there is not a man on earth who can meet your demand, king. No one can show us, show this dream to you, to us, king, except the gods who dwell, whose dwelling is not with flesh. But if you want to learn more about that, go listen to last week's sermon. Go listen to what I said about that. But we know our God, the Lord God, does nothing without revealing His secret to His servants, the prophets. And, and I've spoken about dreams. Does God still use dreams today? You can listen to that. And basically, God in this dream is revealing Himself progressively. All the scriptures reveal God to us. Now, in the New Testament and in the canon of scripture, we have a complete Revelation of God. We, we, God has, has made himself fully known, more known than he was here in the book of Daniel. And God used dreams to, to show us his, his, his power, his wisdom. And he was using Daniel as his holy servants to glorify and honor him. It's not fatalism, it's not, they're not puppets in God's hands. They are still responsible to work out their, their salvation in fear and trembling, we can say. Because Daniel and the three men could have just said, no, we don't know. But Daniel goes to the king and he requests the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Daniel's only thinking of one thing there. He's going to honor his God. He's going to show this king that his God is a great God. And his God is the real God, the true God that knows everything. All-known, all-powerful, all-wise God. And this is what we want to look at now. When we come to our second thing, we want to look at God brings the impossible demand to light. There was an impossible demand. Now God brings that impossible demand to light. And hopefully the second thing is going to encourage us to believe that our God rules the impossible. That we can trust Him. And that we can turn to Him. And there's a great lesson, and I'm not going to go into this, but in this beautiful passage from verses, um, basically verses 14 down to 23, there's, there's a lovely lesson on prayer. 
We see how, how Daniel and his men go to God in prayer. Psalm 102 says this about prayer. Or encourages us to pray. Psalm 102. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let, me cry, let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. They go to prayer. Why? Because they know their God hears them. They can trust their God. And Daniel does what we all should do when bad news comes our way. When the impossible comes our way, that we would respond with wisdom and faith in God and trust God who rules the impossible. That we would just get down on our knees or wherever we are, just, just cry out to God. Why did Daniel do this? Because he was a man of God and he knew how God acted when other men cried out in the past. He knew of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was faced with the impossible. He had the Assyrian army camped around Jerusalem. Well over 200,000 men camped around Jerusalem. And the Assyrians had, had recently captured the northern kingdom, Israel. And now Sennacherib, the king, wants to take Jerusalem. And he had a captain that went around and was threatening Jerusalem, threatening the people. How can your God help? He's mocking God. He was mocking Hezekiah. Don't even listen to him. But they just listened and they didn't talk back. And then he sent a letter to Hezekiah. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. It's like David saw Goliath mocking the living God. Hezekiah responded with wisdom and faith. And I'll just turn to, to Kings quickly and just to encourage us to, to know the outcome. And when Hezekiah had, had cried out to the Lord, we read in, um, in verse 35, after he had cried out to the Lord and he, and he seeked help from the Lord, and you should read Hezekiah chapter 19. Read that. Um, 2 Kings chapter 19, the story of Hezekiah. And you read in verse 35. And that night an angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. The battle belongs with the Lord. We just need to believe, we need to trust, and we need to just walk with God through our impossible. Which Hezekiah did. And now we see Daniel doing the same. Going to the God who rules the impossible. Trusting the God who rules the impossible. Because he knows that God is sovereign over everything. And he has a purpose in what he does. 
We can say in reality God's providence was once again putting Daniel in a position to use him for God's glory. That's all what God does. He puts us in a position, a very difficult position, so we can glorify and honour him in how we react to our circumstance. But it's amazing, before Daniel does turn to the Lord in prayer, before Daniel does everything, he approaches the captain, Arioch, the captain of the king's guards, and he goes to him and he says, please, can I have a meeting with the king? Because I want to tell him the interpretation. And the king granted him a meeting. And the king was willing for David to come, um, not David, Daniel to come back and share the dream and the interpretation. Daniel hasn't even gone to God yet and asked him if he will show him the dream. He's trusting God. He's walking by faith, not by sight. But he knows he's God and he knows his God will answer his prayers. And if he doesn't, God's still going to deliver him through the impossible and maybe not from the impossible. God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He loves us through death. And Daniel goes to the king and he requests. And the king gives him his request. Again, Mark mentioned in his prayer, he mentioned about governments, leaders, kings are in the hands of God and he controls them. And, and Proverbs says, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. That's why it's so important to pray for our government, our president, our country. Because God is sovereign over our government. Ramaphosa, our president, is not in control of this country. God is in control of our country through him. And he will turn him where he wants to turn him. Either he can turn him to destroy this country or to make this country a prosperous, successful country. That's why we need to pray. We need to trust God with the impossible. And we do. We are living through uncertain times. And Daniel speaks to the king. But before he runs to prayer, he, he gathers his friends. He like comes to a prayer meeting and says, Friends, listen here. We need to pray. But we need to seek mercy from God. When have you gone to someone and said, Please pray and please pray and seek mercy from God for me. You and I are here this morning because of God's mercy and grace. Our friend Viv died on Tuesday. Why haven't I died? God's mercy and grace. Am I any better than Viv? No. I should be gone long ago as well. But it's God's mercy and God's grace that has kept us here so God can continue to do His work in us and through us for His glory. And Daniel goes to his friends and he told them, Seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning the mystery. So that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And it's beautiful. If you, if you read in the psalm, Psalm 30 helps us to pray. Helps us to pray according to God's will and God's will and God's way. Um, psalm 30 verse 8 says, To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. And then again in, in, in verse 10, Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me, O Lord, be my helper. 
That's all they can try in. All human wisdom, all the props are being knocked out from underneath them. They need God's help. And a beautiful, another beautiful psalm, Psalm 130. Psalms are there to teach us how to pray. Some, some lovely theologians have written books on praying through the psalms. Because they share the hearts of these men. Men that are real and have a genuine love for God. Psalm 130 says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. We don't deserve any good from God. That's why when that, when that Republican went in front of God, he just said, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. That's all we can pray. God, be merciful to me today. Help me to shine for you as I go out there. But we don't hear that from people, how they speak today. They're boasting and gloating about what God is doing in their lives. And it's, except we should be boasting and telling people, this great God, how merciful He is, how gracious He is, how loving and compassionate He is. See, Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, their hope rests in God alone. They plead for mercy from God to deliver them in their hour of need. Daniel and his friends are placed with the impossible. But the God who rules the impossible can help them. He doesn't give them any affirmation. He doesn't give them any earthly signs. He doesn't give them anything. All what they are doing is trusting in God and His Word. They're taking everything at face value. They're taking God's promises. They're in a covenant relationship with God. They are secure. And they go to God and they trust in God's word of promise before Him in the midst of their distress. We must admit, trusting God in difficult times, in impossible times, is never a comfortable situation to be in. But sometimes we make it comfortable. We make it like we, we just have lip service to God. If you're in a possible situation now, an impossible situation now, it is an extremely uncomfortable situation to be in. Because you don't have any body or anything to rely on but God. You can turn to your brothers and sisters and get them to pray for you. It's not showing that you're a weak Christian. It's actually showing strength and courage that you need their help. As much as you depend on God, we also depend on our brothers and sisters' prayers. The reason why we come to prayer meeting is because we depend on God and each other to walk with Him in this world, to glorify and honour His name. Prayer meeting should be the most beautiful place to be in next to church. Because there I'm going to hear my brother praying for me, or my sister, to encourage me. Knowing they're praying to the God who is my helper. I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from? The maker of heaven and earth. God alone. Lovely quote. Someone said, Sometimes God delivers us by walking through the fiery trial with us, rather than saving us out of it. And today we're looking so much for God saving us from our trial, instead of trusting God, glorifying, honouring His name, and let Him, His will be done. If He's going to deliver us from it, or if He's not going to deliver us from it. But a lot of times we try to work God out, we try to put God in a box, and we, and we try and figure out 
Just say, God, your will be done with my impossible situation. I just want to trust you and I want to honour you and reflect your glory into this world. And the beautiful thing is when God answers his prayer, we know that God answers the prayer. In Daniel verse 19, Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And Daniel doesn't go run to his friends and say, Wow, my God is so great and I must have a special relationship with him because he's answered my prayer. Who says he answered Daniel's prayer? He could have answered Hananiah's prayer and not the other two and Daniel. Or he could have answered someone else that was praying for them. We always try to take recognition. I say this over and over. It's like the guy that goes to the old lady, lays her hands on him and prays for healing and God miraculously heals her. And then he goes off and he gloats and he tells everybody, I have the gift of healing. But I, the question to him, how do you know it wasn't the old lady down the road that had been praying for her for years and it's her that God heard, not you. But we'll take recognition because we were there and we witnessed it. We need to let God be God in our lives. And let's trust God. Let's do what Daniel did. He didn't run to his friends and, and he, he ran to the throne of grace and he just got down on his knees and he blessed the God of heaven and he gave us a beautiful prayer because God is sovereign. He, wisdom belongs to him and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise. He gives understanding he reveals the things that are hidden. Again, whatever you gain through, trust God and His wisdom. That's why James says to us, if you lack wisdom, seek God for wisdom. And He will give it to you abundantly without holding anything against you. And if you need wisdom every day, just keep seeking God for wisdom. He's never going to shake His finger at you and say, oh yeah, comes Mark again, ask Him for wisdom. No. Go to God. Seek God for, for wisdom. And Daniel does that. He just runs to God. And he just wants to thank God for answering his prayer. It reminds me of the ten lepers. All ten were healed. And only one came back to thank Jesus. How often do we fall down and actually thank Jesus for answering our prayers? We're quick to run to him sometimes to, to ask him to help us in prayer. And when he does help us, we just run off and tell our friends and we never actually turn around and thank God first. And we do that often. We fall very short here to pray passionately back to God and thank Him. Maybe in your quiet time, read through Daniel chapter 2, verse, verses 19 to 23. Re read through that lovely prayer of thanks. I'm going to give you thanks and praise. Because you have made it known to me, God. It's all you're doing. I'm just an instrument in your hands. If it wasn't for you, I would not be able to tell this king. So it's not in me. It's in you, God. And I thank you. And Daniel, we will look as we go into verses 31 onwards, or verses 24 onwards, we'll look how Daniel approaches his God with what kind of character he approaches his God and the king when he comes before the, the king. But Daniel and his friends didn't write off 
God who rules the impossible. Like there, chapter did in verse 11, when they said, The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Well, Daniel knew his God dwells with his people. And today God dwells in us. The Holy Spirit indwells us. His love has been poured out into our hearts. We don't write our God off. We don't say, oh, no, 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 God can't answer this prayer. Oh, this is too hard for God. No. Nothing is too hard for God. We just need to humble ourselves, knowing that God dwells with a humble and broken, contrite-spirited people. And just bring your prayers before Him to the God who rules the impossible. But these two things that we looked at this morning, one briefly and the one more comprehensively from Daniel chapter 2 verses 1 to 23 to help us to believe that God rules the impossible to trust God with the impossible as we go out this building I challenge you to, to, to walk with God trust God who rules the impossible He does rule the impossible He's all knowing He's the same God that has brought that impossible trial into your life is the same God that's going to give you wisdom to help you work through that trial. God will never give you anything you cannot handle. Read that in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. God will never put us in a situation that we cannot handle. And the beautiful thing, He provides a way out through the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit living in us. God rules the impossible. But let's not downplay the anxieties that come with the impossible. Let's not downplay fear. Let's not downplay worry. We are weak. We are broken. We are feeble. I'm not saying we go now and we grit our teeth. No, we're still going to. But let's trust God with the impossible. Let's walk by faith. Because the author and perfecter of our faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. He died on the cross to give us wisdom, give us knowledge, to help us. But He's given us the most beautiful gift. His Spirit indwells us. To help us to illuminate the scriptures so we can walk in truth and we can trust our God who rules the impossible. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this lovely passage where we see how, how Daniel wants to exalt your name, how he shows integrity, how he shows his love for you. And his love for people, because he knows you can rescue the people, especially the, the magicians and the enchanters and the sorcerers from death. And he turns to you and he puts his trust and faith in you, the God who controls everything, especially dreams, yeah, according to Nebuchadnezzar. So Father, help us. Help us to confess our sin. We don't trust you with our impossibles. Be merciful to us, Father. But thank you when the impossible comes, you bring that impossible demand to light through the Scriptures and through your wisdom and by your wisdom. Help us, Father. Please be merciful to us. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.